please welcome um, Pastor Andrea up to bring the word of God to us today. Thank you, Lord. They'll come back somewhere. <laughs> the Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. And the Lord will bless his people with peace. I just speak that over you right now. We're his people. Thank you, Lord. You sit as king forever. Whatever is going on in the details of our lives, thank you. You sit as king. You sat as king enthroned over the flood. You sit enthroned over every troubling circumstance. And we declare that right now. We thank you, Lord. You bless this morning your people with strength. And you bless your people with peace. We receive it and say, thank you, Lord. This morning we're going to receive it. Strength and peace. Strength and peace. Just say it to yourself. Strength and peace. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, well, I'm going to start with a bit of testimony. Uh, and it will sound uh, probably a bit irrelevant when I first say it, but I'll explain as I go on. And my testimony is this that I'm a bit of a light sleeper. Uh, I I think it's kind of just a bit of the kind of season of life I'm in. But a car engine or headlights can wake me, screeching cat, somebody treading on a twig, cat on a twig, (laughs) do you know what I mean? And I'm awake. But anyway, it used to concern me quite a bit because I used to kind of think, oh, I'm going to be good for nothing the next day. But I have come to this great conclusion that even though I'm not sleeping, I'm resting. And the rest all by itself is doing me good. And actually, I've learned not to worry about tomorrow. You know, Jesus said it, doesn't he? Don't worry about tomorrow. There'll be grace for it when you need it. And actually, it works. If you believe for his grace, you have it at the time when you need it. We access his grace grace by faith. Uh, Romans 5. You lay hold of the grace of God for whatever you need by believing. And uh, anyway, that's just a bit of preamble. But when I'm lying awake, uh, there's a a verse that I'm so pleased to remember when I remember it. And it's Psalm 139, verse 18. And it says, it's that last bit at the bottom, really. When I awake, I'm still with you. Think of it. When I wake up, I'm still with you. You're still with me. The eternal, immortal, invisible, only wise God. You can't see him with your natural eyes, but he's there. When I awake, I'm still with you. Basically, God is in the room. God is in this room. God is in the room where you are at home. Wherever you are, if you're born again, he's there. Jesus promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And we're going to look at a story in a minute about uh, the disciples. But before they were filled with the Spirit, Jesus would come and go. They were with him, and then they weren't with him. Because many times he had to leave to go and pray. Or he sent them off on an assignment, you know. So they weren't with him. And then they were with him. He would come and go. And uh, we're going to look at John chapter 20. Uh, It's good to think these things through, you know. Did they miss him when he went? I bet they did. (laughs) You would. Presence of the Lord. 
But anyway, uh, John, this is this just to give you some background. Jesus had been to the cross. They'd seen him crucified. He was resurrected. Some of them knew it. Some of them didn't at this point. Uh, here we go. Now, Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we've seen the Lord. That would have been a shock. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas this time was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Now let me just interject at this point and say, you would really need to hear that at that point. You'd seen him crucified on the cross a few days before. Now suddenly, he walks into the room. You would need to hear, Peace, be still. Because Jesus' words, they're more than words, they're spirit and life. As he spoke it, they would have received, Peace came. Okay, where are we? Then he said to Thomas, reach your hand, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord, oh my God, the only right response. Your Lord, and you're my Lord, and you're my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who've not seen and yet believed. That's me. That's you. If you're born again, you've not seen Jesus with your physical eyes and yet you believe. And Jesus says, you're blessed. Now, Thomas has gone down, not not the most enviable name to have, but he's gone down through history and is known through history as doubting Thomas, is he not? Even... Non-Christians refer to that. You know, if they, they know somebody who's kind of doubting, a bit skeptical about things, they'll say, oh, he's a doubting Thomas. Thomas wanted to see with his physical eyes and touch with his hand, his physical hand. Or he said, if I can't do that, I won't believe. And that's the response of the natural mind. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. Unless I see him, I won't believe But God says, believe first, then you'll see. That's faith. Believe first, then I'll show you how real I am. You'll see evidence of that. Our physical eyes and physical ears access and um, understand the physical realm. We see and hear things physically. Spiritual eyes and spiritual ears can hear and pick things up in the spirit world. Ephesians speaks of the eyes of the heart. You can perceive things, see things, even hear things in the spirit world. So we have external eyes and ears, but you've also got another set. You have an internal set of eyes and an internal set of ears. You may not be aware of that at this point in time if you're not a believer, but if you want to believe... You'll see, you're here. And what I, kind of, part of what I want to say this morning is, I'm just so aware myself that I need to be more alert 
to the unseen realm, to the spirit realm. A bit like Jacob, you know, when he had his dream in Genesis 28, he had this dream and he saw a ladder between heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending on this ladder. Most of us know this story well. He woke up and said, God is in this place. And I didn't even know it. Like, it's been happening all the time, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. I wasn't even aware of it. But from that point, he became conscious of the unseen, conscious of God, conscious of the spirit world. And I want that more and more. And if you have a heart for God, I'm sure it's true for you too. But it kind of explains why two people can be sat in a meeting. One can have an encounter with God, a consciousness of God, Uh, see things in the spirit, hear his voice, speak to them personally, and the other one, maybe sitting beside them, is very conscious of the furniture in the room, the people on the platform, people all around them, you know, natural stuff, their own thoughts and feelings, their own kind of rumbling tummy, do you know what I mean? And they're just natural, very focused on natural. And I mean, you know, we, we can all be like that at times, but... As far as is possible, do whatever is going to help yourself to get your mind off the natural. If you need to eat something quick before a meeting, eat so that you can be more focused on heavenly things than your own need. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, Jesus spoke about this condition. We're going to look at um, Matthew 13, verses 14 to 16. He spoke about this, how this is with certain people to his disciples. So Matthew 13 verses 14 to 16. So this is Jesus speaking about alertness or not. And in the first part, it's not. They were not alert or aware of spiritual things. He says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and yet not perceive. For the hearts of this people, verse 15, have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they've closed lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But look at this, verse 16. Blessed are you, blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Love that. If you have any consciousness at all of spiritual things, God Primarily God, let's not go looking for the enemy, but a consciousness of God and are able to hear and see things, which all of us can if we're born again. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He says, you're blessed. Your eyes see, your ears hear. And his disciples, they wanted to understand the kingdom of God. They wanted to understand spiritual things. Jesus had their attention and he'd won their hearts. And so because they had this appetite for spiritual things, they received. You know, their ears were open, their, you know, popped open, their eyes, you know, the kind of shutters came up, they started to see. And God always responds to hunger. And if you're sitting here thinking, you know, I'm more like the kind of dull one at the moment, I, I don't really get things in a meeting. It doesn't, in one sense, matter where you are, just move towards him if you have a heart to understand he'll respond to that i just say to you keep seeking and you'll find don't get put off just keep pursuing jesus because he moves towards the one who moves towards him um you know but 
If you feed on the word, you've heard us say this many times, read until you can feed. Read until, like that sheep, you find a bit of green pasture. Basically, what I mean by that is until a word speaks to you, you hear his voice personally. Speak right into you and the details of your life. It's amazing how he can. And I pray, when I sit down with the book, the word, I I pray that I'll have an encounter with the person. That's what I believe for, that when I read, that I'll do more than read words on a page. I'll hear the voice, because he's a shepherd. He shepherds us with his voice, and we need that more than anything. But anyway, back to lying awake, Psalm 139, verse 18. When I awake, I am still with you. So for those of you who wake at night, most of us do at some point. I just, you know, I'm not saying spend an hour unless you are fully wide awake. But if you're struggling to sleep, he's there. And I just encourage you to talk to him and listen to him. It's far better to hear his thoughts than to go round and round the garden with your own. Because quite honestly, they tend to go in a downward spiral, our own thoughts. And... Um, I've done enough of that. You know, I wake up at night, my problems can still be with me. And it's amazing how you start with one and your mind becomes like a runaway train. And you have a whole host of others that take you off in a wrong direction. And so more often than not, you end up worried. The Bible calls it having an anxious mind. And it's like waves of the sea, you're kind of just tossed this way and that, all directions. And we're going to pick up a story uh, just in the next chapter, Matthew 14. It's actually after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus needed some time out. I, I think at times he must have felt like a parent with children. And he just needed a bit of time out from the disciples. So he sent them on ahead. And we're going to pick it up in verse 22. Uh, It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he'd sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the waves were contrary. Think of it. They're in stormy conditions. Jesus is blessed, having a good time. Imagine his vantage point. Okay, He's up a mountain. You know, when you're up a mountain, you can see far. And he'd have seen out to sea and seen, there they go, on the waves, tossed to and fro. This is trouble. And so anyway, what did he do? Uh, I'm going to find it somewhere. He came to them. If we could go, verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. That's our gracious saviour. He doesn't stay on the mountain watching, saying, poor them. Oh, they'll manage He went, he moved, he was moved with compassion and the compassion feeling moved his body to them. Still, he's the same. Anyway, on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. That surprises me in a way. I, I, I think I would have been relieved, but then you don't know. Maybe he was a way off in the distance saying it's a ghost. That's what they thought. So alert to spiritual things, they now think they're seeing ghosts. It's a ghost. They cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Remember, they'd have learned to recognize his voice. Be of good cheer. 
it's I. Do not be afraid. I love that. Cheer up. Don't worry. I'm here. And I love to hear that. You know, often I hear that. Cheer up. Don't worry. I'm here. That'll do. And it's so like that for us. It can be like that, you know, at night, but also during the day. We feel at sea. We're being tossed this way and that way by negative circumstances and anxious thoughts. But if we will look for him and if we will reach for him, like the fourth watch of the night, he will come to us just like he did to the disciples in the boat. Walking on the sea. I find it interesting. He walked on the very thing that was worrying them. He showed his authority and power over the very thing that was filling them with fear. He's the king. He sat enthroned at the flood and sits as king forever. He demonstrated his majesty at that point. And will and does in our lives for those who will reach for him, look for him. But more than anything, I think I want to emphasize this morning the starting place for prayer. When you start to pray, he's there. Wherever you are, in your car, in your kitchen, your place of work, he's there. But we've got to get our eyes off of the problems, off of the waves, the problems that are just huge and threatening, and lift our eyes and look for him. Turn with me to Psalm uh, 121. Love this psalm. You receiving this morning? Because I've really prayed you will. And myself. Why not? (laughs) God's able. I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What can't he do? He made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I like to think of this when I'm awake. I'm in good company because he doesn't sleep either. You know, the Lord's your keeper. (laughs) The Lord's your shade. He's awake always. The Lord's your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Nothing day or night will strike you. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. I love this verse. He shall preserve your soul. He shall preserve your mind. He will preserve your will, what you want. The stuff that can take you off in the wrong direction. He'll preserve your will. He'll preserve your emotions. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. What a psalm. I mean, they're all good, but that's a good one, isn't it? And we need to meditate on these promises till faith comes. And I just wanted to say again to you this morning, take your time. I know so many of us are so busy, but do yourself a favor and carve out enough time to sit. And let the words come off of the page into your heart or into your spirit. I I often think of a cow uh, chewing the cud. It has to chew it over and over, and it will chew it over and over to get all the goodness out. And that's how we need to be with the word. Chew it over. Don't just skim read and speed read and say, oh, well, that's another chapter. Tick. Done that. Off I go. 
take time to chew it over so that the full impact of what Jesus wants you to get is going to hit you. You know what I mean? If a single verse speaks to you, read it over. Meditate on it. Speak it to yourself. Pray it. Write it down. I know you've heard this so many times, but I just want to tell you what helps me so much. If something really helps me, I write it down. I have a whiteboard in my kitchen. I put it on there or I put it on a post-it. You know, you put it on your phone. You put it on the dashboard of your car. Wherever you're going to see it, get it in front of your eyes. We need to hear it, but we need to see it as well. Uh, We need to treasure it. Psalm 119 says, I rejoice in your word as one who finds great treasure. Now, out of utter boredom with TV the other night, I turned on a program called Aussie Gold Hunters. I don't know if any of you have seen that. I mean, honestly, I put it on in the main because I quite like the accent and the dry humour that Australians have. Anyway, I was watching this program, and I I was just fascinated and baffled, in a way, what they are bothered with, that that they will just keep going with a beep, 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 I mean, over a huge amount of areas, looking for these tiniest of tiny nuggets, do you know what I mean? And, And in the heat, in the dirt, with the creepy crawlies, and the, did I mention the heat? I'm like... Really? But, and then, when that beep, 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 the, the thing got, really goes off, like rejoicing like you wouldn't believe, grown men digging like their lives depend on it to get this tiniest thing, and then they kiss it. Like, they love this stuff. I mean, we understand why. We all understand it has value. But we need to be like that with the word, because with that, if that gets into us, it translates into gold. Your faith will be more precious than gold, though tested by fire, Jesus said. If we can get this in, words become gold. But it's more than gold. It's, it perishes. It's, it's the kind of gold that can really change your life, every aspect of life. Money can do so much and get us so far. But my gosh, it has boundaries. There's only so much that money can do. The word of the the Lord has no boundaries. There's there's nothing that this book can't change if it gets down on the inside. And that's Psalm 21, verse 7. He preserves our soul and he preserves us from all evil, but it happens as we trust him. You know, blessed are those who trust in him. And it's not just a vague trust, kind of a wishy-washy, general wishful thinking. Really, it is a trust that comes from believing his word, one promise at a time, as he highlights for us. And if you've been struggling, you know, if you're challenged, challenges, so many things that can be so challenging in life. And I know there's some of us in this room with really difficult challenge at the moment, but he wants to be that ever-present help in time of need. He doesn't want us to lose the battle here, you know. If you've been losing the battle over your own thoughts and sighing a lot, complaining a bit, you know, we've got to run to the one who can save us. He's got all the answers. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. But if we will run to him, he is El Shaddai, God Almighty, the one who is eternally 
capable of being all that his people need. Eternally capable of being all that you, all that you need. Amazing. Thank you, Jesus. He will deliver you. And he will preserve you. But he doesn't do it without us. And this is kind of what I want to home in on, really. It's as we cooperate with him, we've got to take some steps. Believe what he tells us, number one. And do what he tells us, number two. And we're going to look at 1 John. This is a kind of uh, surprising scripture, maybe, to look at. But it really hit me, and I want to pull something out of this. 1 John 5, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself or herself. And the wicked one does not touch him. The bit I'm wanting to home in on is he keeps himself. But I want to deal with the sin issue first. Because does that mean then that Christians don't sin? Well, if we went back in the Bible a few chapters, in 1 John 1, 8, it says... If we say that we don't sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But actually, sin for a born-again child of God should not be lifestyle. Actually, it should grieve us. It should be a problem to us, you know, Uh, and so should be happening less and less. And I'm sure you've figured out by now, this Christian life is a journey to become more and more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29. We've all been predestined to become like Jesus in thought and action. Thought and action. Predestined. And I was thinking about Michelangelo, actually, with a block of marble, chiseling. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit is working to do. Everything he does, and I really mean everything he does in our lives, is like that sculptor chipping away every attitude that's not like him, every thought every way of speaking, every way of behaving. And so when you're convicted over something you've thought or said or done, be grateful, celebrate that, because he is seeking to save. Hebrew said he's treating you as his own. He's treating you like a son, his own child. You know, he's he's always out to rescue his own. And when he sees us heading to trouble, he's out to rescue, you know. To set us free from bad consequences that we're blind and deaf to at that point. It's when conviction stops that we should kind of get concerned, really, because we've got so desensitized by the stuff of this world, we're no longer hearing the voice. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But back to 1 John 5, verse 18. So, basically, if we've been born of God, we keep ourselves... And the wicked one does not touch us. But what I want to ask is, so does God keep us? Psalm 121, 7. He will preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. Or 1 John 5, 18, do we keep... Which is it? Who's keeping? Well, the answer is both. He keeps the one who keeps himself or herself. Right? If we'll get the word in... As highlighted by the Holy Spirit, one promise at a time, that one promise has enough power in it to preserve you. Pickling power, you know? Like, it will preserve. It resists the enemy. The word in us has power. And any, I I was really struck by this. One word from God 
can change anything. I just speak that over your life. One word from God is enough to change everything. Everything. Come on. I was praying the word a few weeks ago now and just speaking it over my circumstances. And I heard the Lord so clear. Just say, what are you doing? (laughs) I love that. When he just breaks in, it was just a thought. What are you doing? Well, I'm confessing your word. And do you know what I heard? Crystal clear. You're not believing it. That's true. Can't hide anything from him, can I? You know, there I am, believing it, but not believing it, praying it, speaking it, not believing it. And he just said, it was so nice, you know, as a father is, a good father. He said, just sit down, just be still, be quiet, and let the word settle in you. Let the word come off the page, settle down in your spirit. Oh my, it did me so much good. I just sat down. It was a relief to sit down and stop talking, to be honest. And I just sat and I let the word just settle, you know, to a point where it got rooted. Faith came. He does it. It's not our, you know, machine gun fire praying in desperation. You know, we just need to sit. And let the word work on us. It's like a chemical reaction. Once the word gets into your spirit, another substance is formed. The substance of faith, but God does it. But it's as we kind of do it his way. But the more I go on with him, the more I realize he's uncomplicated. You know, he is the great I am. He's amazing. His greatness is unsearchable. We can't even fathom it. You'll never understand God with your brain. You can understand some, but we're never going to understand. I think even in eternity, we're never going to get to the end of the greatness of who he is. There'll always be more to know and find out. This side of eternity, certainly not. We understand and know in part. But the way he leads us is simple. It's uncomplicated. He said to Noah, build a boat. To Nehemiah, build a wall. To us, forgive Repent. Bless your enemies. You know, just simple instructions, really. Trust me, and here's why. Spirit-given word, promise. One word is enough. If that word can get down into your spirit, it's enough. We don't need a lot, you know, because it's not human. It's more than information. It is information. We get wisdom as we read. But it's more than that. It's an impartation. His words are spirit and life. Like when he came into the room with the disciples. Peace to you. They received. They came to peace. Receive with meekness the implanted word that is able to save your soul. It's an impartation of his own life and his own strength. From the outside to the inside. And I want to bring a picture of a water bottle now. If you cast your minds back to the time when occasionally maybe you used to fly on a plane. I mean, I used to always put my... I'm never without it, I'm sure you've noticed. I always used to put my water bottle in the pocket and the seat in front. And remember, you get to a certain altitude and the whole thing just gets crushed because the outside pressure is greater than the pressure on the inside of the bottle. And 
every time, it bothered me. I used to pull it out and be like, well, look at that. Like, if that's happening to the bottle, what on earth is happening to me? Do you know what I mean? Normally, I'd travel with Pastor Judy. I'd look at her. She concave. No, she's all right. I'll be all right. But it's like that. The pressure inside that cabin is so great, it's pushed that bottle out of shape. Can't we feel like that in life? The pressures on the outside are so great. I'm feeling so squeezed, so pushed out of shape. And we can feel overwhelmed. Every one of us in this room is just too much sometimes. I love Psalm 61. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm going to say that again. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock, capital R, that is higher than I. He's our rock. He's our safe place. And we need to go to him. Don't try and rally and go again in your own strength. We have a loving father. He's gracious, compassionate on all he has made. And he responds to the ones who reach for him. If you reach for him, you'll find him. Psalm 138, verse 3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Oh, I love that. Where does boldness come from? Jesus. Where does strength in your soul come from? The kind of strength that will enable you to go the distance. Jesus. It's a spiritual substance. So instead of collapsing under the pressure, we receive his strength, an impartation of his strength. And it comes as we believe the word. Really, I, you know, that's Psalm 138, verse 3. I've sown that to the point where faith came. And, and in the moment I believed, I tell you, I, it was like I literally felt as strong as a lion. I had this supernatural strength and boldness that I knew was not my own. I know there's people in this room who had the same. You've got to get the word from the inside to the outside. And it is amazing because he enables us to rally, but we go again in his strength. You face the same circumstances often. They're not different. You know, nothing may have changed, but you've changed in it. That's what makes a difference. We're going to look at verse 7 of that same psalm. So though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. I prayed that a lot for the NHS, you know, in the kind of... When it was really terrible, the pandemic, you know, and thousands and thousands dying every day. But I, was, I had that verse to pray for the doctors and the nurses on the wards. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. Love that. Wherever you go, go with a consciousness you'll walk in with him. He's with you. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Verse 8. Love this. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. If thoughts were visible, I'm sure there's a lot of concerns in this room. But take that word and sow it until you receive faith. He'll perfect every single thing. The big things and the small things and everything in between. He'll perfect those things which concern me. I love that. The word perfect there means to bring to an end, to complete or to finish. God is able. He's able to bring to an end pain, symptoms even. 
suffering, trouble, stress, whatever it is, he's the Christ, the saving one. But we have to go to him. He is able, Hebrews 7.25, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through Jesus. We've got to go to him. You know, I find myself at times praying to the ceiling, you know, and I'm like, I have to stop myself. It's like, no, no, no. God's here. I'm praying to him. I'm praying to a person, another person who's listening and will respond. He's there with you. Remember Thomas, when he was speaking to the disciples, every single word he said, Jesus wasn't visible in that room. Jesus heard every word. He said to the disciples, unless I put my finger in his print of the nails, finger in his side, I won't believe. What did Jesus do? He walked into the room. Thomas, come here. Heard every word. Heard every word. The eternal, immortal, invisible God. Now you've heard me say this many times, but I'm going to say it again because it helps me a lot. Philippians 4 verse 5 says the Lord is at hand. As close as your hand is to you, he's there. The Lord is at hand. And we're going to turn there actually to the whole chapter of Philippians 4. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Take that as if Jesus is stood here in his human body saying it to you personally. Whatever your name is, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, tell me what you want me to do. Let me know your requests. It goes on. And the peace of God which is unreasonable. People can't understand it. Like they got all this going on and yet, have you seen how calm they are? Surpasses all understanding. Will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I love this. What a fantastic exchange. Our bad for his good. Our anxieties and stresses for his supernatural peace. This is the answer for a stressless life. I used to have a stressless chair and footstool. I used to love sitting in it and getting it into the recline position. And every time I sat in that, physically, I could feel myself relax. But the irony was, I sat in that chair quite a few times, feeling very stressed. And the only way to a stressless life, because the thing is, it's got to be more than physical. He wants us to experience physical peace but the only way to really have a stressless life is to act on that philippians 4 6 isn't it just deal with stuff quick you know go to as often as you feel stressed like the flashing red light when your petrol's nearly out go to him it's a sign you've got to go to him offload and often you know circumstances take time to change but praise god we can instantly receive his peace And his peace is powerful. It's not weak. The peace of God is not weak. It's powerful. It acts as a guard, a protection uh, on your heart and on your mind, exactly where you need it. On your heart and on your... You know when fear comes, like real proper fear, it's like, it's down here. It can be a thought in your head, but it kind of hits you down here. It's your heart. You know, but it acts as that protection on your heart 
and on your mind. His peace is better than understanding. I think so many times we're so desperate to know more, see more, understand more. But it doesn't say more understanding will protect us. It actually says the peace of God will protect us. And often we need to trust when we can't see. You know, when we can't see ahead, when we're in the dark. Psalm 139 says, darkness and light are the same to him. He never can't see. He can always see everything all the time. He sees ahead. He can see into your future. He can see round corners. That's why we need to listen to him and like, okay, Lord, what are you? I'm seeing in part. What are you seeing? Please tell me what I need to see so I can make the right decisions. Now they're going to take me where I need to be up ahead. I'm going to finish with a testimony. Uh, and actually, it's Pastor Judah's testimony. Some of you know this, but um, in Christmas, at Christmas of 2018, we went on holiday. And um, she was so ill, uh, you probably don't know this part, she was so ill, she nearly died. It was really quite serious. And when she was strapped down in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, we were talking about this just the other day, she heard a voice which she said was like an audible voice. And the Lord said to her, wherever you are, you're in my hands. Faith came. She heard the voice. Faith came, and as soon as the faith came, the peace came with it. And I have to say, every time we saw her, the peace, it was remarkable. We'd walk in the room, and the peace, like serenity, just, you know, and she needed that because what was going on in the natural was scary, let me tell you. But it was, a, it was this peace, the peace that surpassed, went beyond all understanding that protected her heart and mind. We need to hear his voice. I know you know that. I mean, I feel like every message I do, I say the same thing. But I actually was going to be doing something completely different this morning. uh, But the Lord redirected me. Anyway, for this, and I believe it's because we need to come back to the Philippians 4.6. If you're awake at night, he's there. You know, don't just lie there thinking, getting anxious. Or, I have to say, fed up. You know, sometimes if it's not anxiety that will get you, it's, it's being fed up and cheesed off with somebody else. It's a fool's game, that. If you start going over in your head all the wrong that somebody has done to you, you, you end up in a worse place than where you started. Actually, it's a dangerous game. Anger and resentment. It's a trap of the enemy. Just forgive. Bless your enemies. Overcome evil with good, Jesus said. Go in the opposite spirit. But anyway, Psalm 139, 18. When I awake, I'm still with you. Reach for him, you'll find him. And start to talk to him like he's in the room. I know probably there's a lot of you that do this already, but I'm just encouraging you to keep on like that. If you're anxious, hand them over. Sometimes I'll recite a scripture or even lines of a song, you know, that we sing. But I I remind myself, he's here. I can hear his voice. It's a two-way conversation. I'm going to talk, but I'm also going to listen. Incline your ear and come to me, Jesus says, Isaiah 55. Listen and your soul will live. You might hear a scripture or get a picture or something from his heart to yours like PJ in the ambulance. Let's stand to our feet.
When I shared, this was Thursday, I shared with PJ, look, I've had a left turn. I was going to be doing this, but now I'm doing that. She said, praise God. All week, I've been praying Ephesians 3, verse 16, uh, which is talking about strength on the inside. Okay, remember the bottle that's so squeezed by the circumstances and pressure on the outside, it caves. She'd been praying this for us, the church, that he, the Lord, would grant according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that the strength on the inside, strength of God, will get so strong in us, no matter what the opposition and challenge and pressure is on the outside, we won't cave. Because God in us, in our soul, he's in your spirit strong, but what we need is God in our soul strong. You know, so we're going to take that verse. If we can just keep it on the screen, please, that would be so great. And in a way that you feel comfortable to do, I'm going to ask you to pray for one or two people, twos or threes. Pray this verse for them. Just take it in turns to pray the strength of God, strength with might by his spirit on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.